Let me ask that, or say that again. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, I want to just stand up here and say before you, or anything I say, or before I say anything else this morning, is that uh, it's very humbling to be up here. Uh, whenever we, any of us gets a chance to speak, um, I'm just a sinner. And there's nothing special about me other than I'm a son of God and that you're a son and daughter of God. Amen. And uh, that's, that's why we're here in his name. And so I just want to say welcome if you're visiting. We're so glad that you're here. Um, what an honor it is to be with you. Uh, I've counted it as a privilege to be with you today. And uh, I hope it's been a great morning so far. Wasn't the worship awesome? Thank you. Front left. How did, what did everybody else think? Did you like the worship this morning? All right. It's great to be together and... Uh, what I want to do, what I want to say this morning before I, I jump into the verse is that uh, our posture is important today and every day. But when we come in here and we're expecting that God is going to speak to us and he's going to move in us, that we're not here just to sit in a seat, but God speak to me today through your Holy Spirit, he will speak to you. And so I'm going to give him my whole heart. Let's give him our whole heart this morning. In fact, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray multiple times probably while I'm speaking today. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. God, thank you for this morning. We want to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We know that we are not here because of us. We are here because of you. And we want to lift up your name high this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Give us a clear picture of who he is today. That we would walk out of here excited about who we follow and who we worship. God, you are so amazing. We love you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to jump in. We're going to, I like to start off with the word of God. So we're going to jump right in in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we also conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God. Everybody say, but God. That's a great way to start a verse right there. God butts in. But God who is rich in mercy. Everybody say rich in mercy. Because of his great love, everybody say his great love, with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And oh, if you just, if you forgot, uh, let me put it in parentheses, it was by grace you've been saved, by the way. Verse six, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. Isn't that good, some good stuff right there? That, that, that as we get older, that as we go throughout our life, that we would, we would experience the exceedingly riches of his grace in our life. That we can experience heaven on earth through Jesus Christ. Can he get an amen? amen? That's some good stuff right there. Now go with me to the first book of the Bible. I want to show you one more thing. 
first book of the Bible, that's Genesis. And we're going to read a little bit of the story of Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's two sons. Ephesians, or we're going to go to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to start out a little R-rated, and then it goes PG, okay? Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. That's it. We're good. And she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin. I'm not sure if you knew this or not. You may or may not be aware of this, but this is actually the first time we ever see the word sin in the Bible. It's the very first time we see it used in all of Scripture. This is the first time sin is ever mentioned. It says that sin is crouching at the door. You know, the picture that we get of sin here is this, this out of control, this crazed beast that is crouching and waiting at the door of your heart and your soul, ready to pounce, ready to attack you at any given moment. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. You should rule over it. What a powerful verse of scripture that we'll talk more about here in a few moments. But I want to title this fourth message in this series, Jesus is Alive. Jesus is Alive. Everybody say, Jesus is Alive. And if I could uh, give it a subtitle, um, I want to give it a subtitle. So uh, this is what I would give the message a subtitle of right here, The Walking Dead. You got any Walking Dead fans? Okay. Yeah, I see you guys on Facebook all the time. I don't watch the show, okay? But uh, The Walking, The Walking Dead. Jesus is alive. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, Jesus is alive today. Give them a high five, too. Jesus is alive. Well, uh, before I kind of jump into my message, I did want to take a moment uh, for, for just, a, for just a, a small moment, and I want to lift up someone really special to me. Uh, yesterday, I celebrated uh, five years being married to my wife, our five-year wedding anniversary. That's uh, both of us, obviously. Uh, that is us on our wedding day. Uh, that was at our reception when we walked in, and uh, I still feel that way about her. I still feel that way. I'm going to cut it there because I'll get emotional, but... I love my wife. She is so amazing, and uh, it's been an amazing five years, and I look forward to the next 
however many we have. But, um, but yeah, that was an amazing day yesterday. Um, I love you, Ayumi. Okay, transition point. Okay. Has anyone ever been broken into into your house before? Anybody by raise of hands? Can, can I see a raise of hands? Anybody ever been broken into? Okay, some of us. Anybody ever been broken into? Okay. Personally, I've never lived anywhere uh, where my home was broken into. Uh, never had that happen to me, but I have had my car broken into before. Anybody have their car broken into? Okay, many more of us. Okay. I have had my car broken into before. My 1999 black Chevy S10. That's a sweet ride right there. You know, the standard rims and the four-cylinder beast engine. Yes. You know, some of the teens in, the, in our ministry used to call it the swagger wagon. The swagger wagon. That's right, the swagger wagon. Uh, this was when the word swag was actually cool, okay? Nobody actually uses swag anymore. It's kind of lame, FYI. But you might be wondering to yourself, uh, why did they call it that? Well, it's a good question. I don't know. Probably because I had swag back in the day. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Okay. Anyways, I was 21 years old at the time. I just moved back into my parents' house for a few months before I married my wife, Ayumi. And I vividly remember this one morning, I was leaving the house. I walk out the back door of my parents' backyard, and all of a sudden it hit me. That, that eerie feeling, those of you who have been robbed, when you walk out or you walk into your home, and the first thought is like, intrusion, invader. A stranger has been in my truck. A stranger has been in my home. It's a violated feeling, isn't it? So I walk over to my truck. I'm looking around, and stuff has been tossed and thrown about. And as I'm sitting there, it dawns on me that whoever broke into my car a few hours ago was sitting in this same seat. And it's kind of a creepy feeling. Like I'm sitting there, and I'm going, the guy was sitting right here just a few hours ago. It's just a completely eerie feeling. And so I'm looking around to see if anything had been stolen when I realized that the projector that had been in my back seat was gone. The, the projector that belonged to our church was gone. The one that cost like 500 bucks was missing. And if it weren't bad enough, the person who broke into my truck had left both of my doors wide open leaving my car battery completely dead. It's like, really? You couldn't just close my doors? You know, like, show some good manners, be polite, you know, at least close your doors on the way out, all right? Did your mom teach you anything? Obviously, I'm making light of the situation, but every night for the next two weeks, when I would go out to my truck at night or I would pull in at night and I would walk in, I would have this feeling like, is he somewhere around here? Is he watching me right now? Is he like waiting for his opportunity for me to go in so he can steal from me again? Where is he? I mean, a man, a stranger, an invader has been in my car. It was a real emotional feeling. It was a feeling of being violated. You know, the Bible tells us that sin is an invader. Sin is an intruder. Sin is a stranger that has come into your life and your space to rob and steal your real existence, your real experience, 
on this planet. It was not God's original plan, you see. Sin was not a part of God's equation. Sin came about because man was given something called free will. God gave us the freedom of choice. You see, God did not make us to be robots, amen? We are not machines. We have the freedom to choose. You know, some people always wonder, like, well, why would God give us that if he knew we were going to choose to do bad things? Well, I read a few years back, I heard this quote, it said, devotion is only real when unfaithfulness is a possibility. You can only love somebody truly, you can only be devoted to somebody truly if unfaithfulness is a possibility. It's what makes my relationship with my wife so special, is that that is an option, but I will never choose that option because I'm committed and devoted to you. Through, through, through sickness and health, for rich or for poor, I don't care what goes on, I'm devoted to you. I choose you. That's what God wants from us. You are not a robot, you are not a machine. We have the freedom to choose whatever we want, and we chose. We chose to go against God's perfect plan, and now we've all been affected. Sin has invaded the human race, and it is an intruder. It is a thief. It is a stranger and a robber, and it is taking from us true life. Now, before we go any further, let's answer a couple of really important questions here. First of all, what is sin? Now, now for some of us, this disclaimer, you might think, like, I know all of this already, but, but I want to ask that you would open your heart today. There's going to be things that you've heard. There's things that you know. But sometimes we need to be reminded. What is sin? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. What is sin? Romans 3, 23 says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. The first thing that Paul says is that we are all in on it. No matter who you are, we are all in on it. Everybody has this problem with sin. And then he really kind of gives us the definition. Sin is falling short of God's glorious standard. Sin is, is falling short of God's glory. Sin is, is missing the mark that has been set by God. In its most simple definition, sin is missing the mark. It's missing the mark. Now the mark is not set by anyone or anything. The mark is not set by some governing body. The, the mark is not set by your family. The mark is not set by what everybody else is doing. The mark is not set by what is most convenient for you. The mark is not set by what is most convenient. The mark is not set by what you're feeling in that moment. The mark is not set by even your perspective or your take on life. The mark has been set by the one and only God. And sin is when we don't meet the mark that he has set. Now, some, of, some people think the mark set by God is like that carrot that's hanging out in front of you. You just can never reach it. You know, you, you can never reach God's standard because it's like this carrot that's just out of reach and you're trying really hard and, you know, the farther that you reach, the further the carrot goes out. And that's how some people see it. It's God's cruel, cruel plan that... that that he, has put, that he has put out just to make life hard for you for no apparent reason. He sits back and kind of looks amused while we run around 
trying to meet his mark. But that's not it at all. God sets a mark because he wired us. God set a mark because he designed us, he created us, and he knows what will bring maximum fulfillment in this life. So he sets boundaries, he sets a goal, he sets a mark, he sets a standard. It exists so that we will follow it, and if we follow it, we will experience and he will fulfill all of our wildest hopes and dreams. God is a good God, amen? And he wants us to have maximum fulfillment on this planet. So what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. You know, I thought about answering the question, uh, is sin real? But I thought, I don't feel like I need to really spend any time answering that question, right? I heard a preacher this week said, uh, all you have to do is have children to know that sin is real, okay? He said, now I know why animals eat their young, right? That's what he said. So that's a little cruel, okay? But that's like asking, is wrong real? Is bad real? We know. Okay, so I'm not going to spend too much time. I, didn't, I thought, you know, I'm not going to spend any time answering that question. But another question that I want to ask is, is sinning, which we're all in on, is sinning really living? Is sinning really living? Now, you already know my answer. You, you can... You can put two, to two, two and two together. I believe sin is an intruder. Sin is a stranger. Sin is coming to rob and steal. And so I'm working from the standpoint today that sinning is not really living. Oh, you can be breathing. You can be breathing. You can have a pulse. You can be sucking in oxygen and, and, and exhaling carbon dioxide. You can have a heartbeat, but not be truly alive. I mean, look at the very first we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, look what he says, And you have been made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That verse is written to people who have a pulse. That verse is written to people who were breathing, but, he, but he, what he's saying indicates that you were breathing, but you were not really alive. You were existing, but you were not really living. You could say that you were the walking dead. What this verse tells us is that sin is like that intruder. Sin is that invader. Sin is like that thief, that stranger that comes in and takes from us our true purpose and existence and meaning in this life. I wonder how many of us this morning are existing but not really living. We're here. We're alive physically. But we're not really alive. You know, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, which is, of course, this is such a profound statement because it tells us that sin, first of all, can be fun. Let's just establish that truth because that's why we do it. Sometimes it feels awesome when we're doing it, right? Or am I the only one? Sometimes it feels good to get angry. Sometimes it feels good to vent 
and just tell you how it really is. Sometimes it feels good to be disrespectful. Sometimes it feels good to talk about that other person behind their back. I'm not saying it's right, but can we acknowledge the fact that, that sin, sometimes it feels awesome? In the moment, sin is like going to this extraordinary restaurant and you order the best, most expensive meal. You got filet mignon, right? That's not how you say it, right? I know. And you're just savoring every single last bite. Mm. It's amazing. Tastes good. It's like, whoa! It's like a party in my mouth. And then the bill comes. And you're like, no way! This is a date. I'm not even married to you. We should have just gone to McDonald's. And that's almost exactly how sin works. I mean, for a moment, you're enjoying every single bite. It's good. This is fun. This is amazing. And, and then the bill comes, sometimes the next morning. And you're like, no way was that worth it. No way was that worth it. The Bible says that when the bill comes, the wages that you have earned is death. The loss of your life. Ah, uh, you see, sin will let you breathe for a little while. But make no mistake, it has killed you and it is killing you. It's like a snake that is slowly wrapping itself around your body, squeezing the life out of you. Sin will make you pay. So if sin is real and, and we all sin, then, then what do we do now? What do we do now? I mean, if you believe sin is real and we all sin, then the next logical question is what do we do now? Well, it's simple. It's really not that complicated. God told Cain exactly what to do. He said, Cain, here's the deal. It's not rocket science, buddy. It's actually simple. You just didn't do good. <laughs> I didn't like your offering. It's not pleasing. It's not acceptable. Cain, why in the world are you upset? I mean, this makes perfect sense, buddy. If you do what is right, if you do good, I'm going to be pumped. I'm going to be pleased with you. If you don't, though, sin is crouching at your door, and it's going to pounce on you. And it's going to make you its slave, and it's going to keep you chained down. Sin wants to rule you, but by the way, uh, Cain, you should rule over it. You should rule over it. In fact, you'll have a much better life. I highly recommend that. It was nice talking, Cain. See you later. God made it pretty simple, didn't he? I mean, if sinning isn't really living and we're all sinning, then what do we need to do? Well, it's pretty simple. Stop sinning. Guys, come on. Stop being so mean. Stop being so selfish and envious and lustful and divisive and jealous 
and disrespectful and quit gossiping and just quit being annoying. Guys, come on. Everybody stop sinning, okay? Just try harder. That's what God said, right? Just do what is right, Cain. Hey, that's my message for you today. Just do what is right. That's it. Simple. Have a great day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the problem with that, however, is that my ability to do what is right eventually runs dry. Can anybody relate? I mean, I can do what is good for a while, and you know what? There are even times I admit that I can do good even for a little while longer. It's true. You kind of get on a roll, and you're like, man, I'm doing great right now spiritually. Jesus, come back. You know, like, you're like, I'm doing awesome. Come now, Jesus. And maybe you're like me where it's like day two and you're just like on a streak of doing really good spiritually. You're doing good. You're going to try harder. You're going to do better. Maybe you're like me. You make like a, a New Year's resolution in the middle of the year. Babe, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'm not that kind of man. I will never be upset like that again. I will never raise my voice another day in this marriage 48 hours later. Why is it so hard to keep this kitchen clean? What's wrong with you? Sorry, babe. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's like you go on a streak for two days, maybe even for a few weeks, but you're just holding it in, right? You're holding it in. It's like, it's like someone just ate too much food on Thanksgiving. And you're just sucking it in. <laughs> I love you. Oh, babe, you're so beautiful. I'm so grateful for you. I love you. Ah! And all of a sudden, you just let your belly, like, just come out, you know? <laughs> you see, we can suck it up and we can do what is right for a while, but eventually, it just becomes too much. And we got, we got to exhale. I, mean, I don't like you, 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 and you. And if I never talk to you again, I will be fine. You know, like, that's how we feel. Don't judge me. You guys are like, I feel judged right now. You're like, this guy is bad, you know. But anyways, this is who we are. This is who we are. If we could have only watched your journey getting to church this morning, that's what I want to see. Can't find a parking spot around here. How they expect me to get to church? Just washed my car yesterday, got to park in the dirt lot. Got to park on hold, walk a mile. Sorry. By the way, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday. And I don't know what the big deal is. Really, I, I don't know what the big deal is. Doing what is right should be totally simple because if sinning isn't really living, then what do we need to do? Well, just we just need to stop sinning, guys. Just stop. Okay? Stop it. Isn't that clear? Isn't it obvious? We just need to stop sinning. The problem is God told Cain, if you do what is right. If you do well, 
And he ends it with a little P.S. You should rule over it. That's a big if and a big should. And I could if I would. You should rule over it, God tells Cain. Well, uh, you see, I can't. I can't. God, it's like the harder I try, the deeper I fall. I can't. Man, I don't know why we keep going around this same little pathetic mountain. This is the year I'm going to do better. Probably not. <laughs> Chances are you'll do even worse. And the part about all this that is so frustrating is that the harder we try to overcome, oftentimes the worse we get. It's like Paul lamenting in, in Romans 7, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? This is Paul, y'all. And so maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, this isn't really encouraging, Mike. I, I want to know what I can do. You want to know what you can do? Here it is. You, want, you, you ready for it? Everybody lean in. Lean in, everybody. Okay, I don't see people leaning in. Everybody lean in. I'm going to tell you. Nothing. You can do nothing. In and of yourselves, you can do nothing. Sin is real. You're a sinner. Sin is stealing from you every single day, and there's nothing that you can do about it. I don't know if you know this yet, but you're no match for sin. I mean, haven't we learned by now that we are no match for our nature? Our nature is just really bad. So what are you suggesting for us to do? Well, we don't have much. In fact, we have nothing in ourselves but God. Nothing in ourselves but God. But God. All of a sudden, God butts in. Saves the day. I love this because Paul says, but God, and then he says, hold on a second, buddy. Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm going to tell you how he butted in, but let me tell you why he butted in. But God, comma, here's why he butted in. Because he is rich in mercy. That's why. Because he's rich in mercy. That word, that word rich means many, many layers Endless to be exact. You, you peel back one layer, you scratch off one layer, and there's a whole nother layer of grace, of mercy. Layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer of mercy, because mercy knows no end. It is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God butts in because of his rich mercy. God butts in because of his great love. See, this isn't just any kind of love. You, you can't buy this love at the store. This is great love. This is great love. Everybody say great love. This is great love. And because of his great love, Ephesians 2 goes on to say, with which he loved us. The best news about all this is that this great love has a direction. 
This great love is towards someone. This great love has something it's focused on. This great love has an object of its obsession. This great love is zeroed in on a person. This love is toward you. It's toward you. This love is toward me. It's not because of you. It's not because of me. Because of his great love. God is sinless. God is perfect. God is the only one with the power and the resource and the strength to deal with the invader, the intruder, the robber, the thief, and the stranger called sin. And because, because of who God is, he does what he can do. The only thing he can do. Nothing that we can do. It's all about him and his ability. God does not look at you and think, mm, there's potential there. There's potential there. If I invest a little bit, then I'll get a return on my investment. That is not how God thinks. Nor is that how his love operates. You see, God loved because he is love. It's who he is. He can't be anything but love. He is love. He is the full embodiment of love. You could never understand it on your own. It's too great. We need the spirit of God to empower us, to give us power to know the love of Christ. But that's who he is. God loved because he is love. His love is always towards you. It's always pointed in your direction. It's always coming your way. It's always there. Not because of who you are. Not because of who you are. Let me say it again. Not because of who you are, what you've done, what you're going to do, or what you're doing right now. His love is just towards you because that's who he is, and that's how his love works. That is why God butts in, because he is God. He has great mercy, so much mercy, so much love, and it has all been leveraged for you. And verse 5 goes on to say, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Look at this, together. And raised us up together and made us sit together. I love verses 5 and 6 here because the word together is used three times. Clearly, I think it's pretty clear that God wants to get together with you. No matter who you are. Member of 20 years, first day here. Clearly God wants to get together with you today. Clearly God wants a relationship with you. Clearly this is not about your performance. Clearly God wants to get together. Clearly God wants to know you and he wants you to know him. This love isn't just to make you feel better, to make you all feel warm and fuzzy inside. No, God's lo God loves you because he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. God wants to get together with you. Let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Parent trap, anybody? God wants to get together with you. So what's the answer? God. Is there anything else? Nope, just God. And the only way you can be alive in him is not because you're good enough, not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, none of these things. None of these things. What can you do? Nothing by yourself. But now that you've heard the news about God and what he has done for you through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, 
who died, was buried, and rose again. The only thing that you can do, the only thing that you can do is believe it. And what does it mean to believe? My definition, believe is to receive and to respond. A lot of people think it ends up, believe is just to receive, but my, my question is, if, if what you believe isn't changing who you're becoming, then do you really believe? Yeah, great, God's grace is good, but what is it doing in you? Is it changing you? Believe is to receive and to respond, to brace the reality that I can do nothing by my own power. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. I can only receive the love that he has for me. I receive that I am made right because of God, not because of my performance, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. He took my punishment. He has taken my place. The scripture makes it clear. He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just receive it and you respond to it. And all the riches that are in Christ are now yours forever. You know what? For some of us who are Christians this morning and maybe you're dismissing it, this whole message, we need to continually receive and respond again to what Jesus has done every day. Every day as you get up, you get on your knees and say, God, I'm alive because of you today. Your mercy is rich. Your great love is why I am here for no other reason. Receive again that he's enough. He's my righteousness. He's my forgiveness. He's my identity because now my life is hidden in Christ. The news is good, you know. Did you know that? The news is good. But let's remember what the news is. The news is not about your performance. The news is not about your background. The news is not about a God who came to establish rules and regulations. That's not really the news, my friends. The news is about Jesus is not that he was a great man who, who had some really great, powerful teachings. That's not the news. The news is that Jesus paid the price. And he was the only one that could. He was God in the flesh. He was God in skin and bones, and he became sin so that we might become righteous and perfect before God. You know, as we get ready to take communion, I want to read you something in Matthew chapter 27. Jesus has just been crucified, and it says that about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and I don't know about you, but I'm wondering why the volume? Maybe it was because of the excruciating pain our sinless Jesus was enduring on our behalf. But why did he cry out in a loud voice? Maybe I think he cries out in a loud voice because he wants you to know more than anything else that he has died for you on your behalf. He has taken your sin on the cross and he wants everybody to know. Today, as Jesus hung on that cross, he pulled everything together, every last bit of energy in his body. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wanted everyone to know, including you, that when he cried out why, the only answer to why is you. It's you. 
If the father were to respond audibly to Jesus, perhaps he would have told them, for them, son. For them. For him. For her. For them. I must reject you, my perfect and sinless son, that I might accept them. This is the good news. This is the good news, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. And when he rose again, our hope rose again. Our new life rose again. Our new way of living rose again. And now, whoever the Son sets free is no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. I'm not bound by sin. That intruder, that invader, that stranger called sin has now been conquered and covered and eliminated. And now you have the freedom to receive the good news. And when you respond, everything in your life will start changing. Everything. And you'll begin to live your life for him. That is the good news. That is the good news. Isn't that good news? Come on, isn't that good news? You know, I was thinking, I wanted to throw this in there because, you know, Paul was saying, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And I didn't tell you what he said next because he said, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everything hinges on Jesus. It's all about him. But I want to leave you with a challenge. Okay? Because this is awesome. I mean, God is so good. His rich mercy and his great love. I mean, how amazing is that? But, but I want to give you a challenge today. It's in 1 John 1. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light. Not only is God love, but he is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. This just acknowledges the fact that, that we can still be overcome. Jesus overcame, but sin is crouching at the door of your soul, ready to attack. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, two things happen. Two amazing things happen. I love this. Then we have fellowship with each other. It is not possible to have true fellowship if you're in spiritual darkness. You can't. Not me. You cannot have real relationship if you're hiding things. Me and my wife would not have a true relationship if there were things I were hiding from her. It doesn't work that way. It's false. It's a facade. We cannot have true fellowship with each other if we're living in spiritual darkness. And look what happens when you, look what, when you live in the light. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow. 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 
So I want to give you this challenge this week. Today, as you pray, as you acknowledge Jesus in your prayers, you proclaim the death of Jesus Christ in this communion to bring it into life. There's things that you need to talk to your wife and bring into the light. Bring it into the light. What do you have to lose? True fellowship and the forgiveness that comes from the blood of Jesus. God can only uncover what, God can only cover what you uncover. Okay. God can only cover what you uncover. So if you can stand to your feet, we're going to pray. If I can have you stand to your feet. Right now, you have an amazing opportunity to receive and respond to his love again, maybe even if it's for the first time today. You know, the devil would love for you to believe that sin is not completely defeated. The devil would love for you to believe that somehow your particular sin slipped through the cross and even Jesus could not kill it off. So now you're stuck with it. It owns you, it defines you, it's your inner demon. But I wanna tell you that the devil is a liar. Sin has been defeated and God is for you. He loves you. Stop walking around every day telling yourself how simple you are. I'm such a sinner. I'm such a bad person. I can't do what is right. Start walking around. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am forgiven. I'm, this is who I am. That is not my identity anymore. I am not a sinner anymore. I am a son of, G I'm son of the Father most high. I'm a son. Everybody, all the men say, I'm a son. All the women say, I'm a daughter. Everybody say, we are his children. That is who you are. Walk around with your head held high this week. Stop walking around in your sin. Start living who God wants you to be. Jesus died for me, and I'm ready to receive it. What about you? Jesus died for me, and I'm ready to respond to it. What about you? Father, we love you. Those aren't three empty words. God, I just don't know what else to say to you other than, than I love you, God. I, we don't we have anything without you. Where else would we go without you, God? We have nothing else. This world offers nothing else. God, you, you are the only one. Jesus is the only one that could overcome sin so that we could be truly alive today. God, I pray that we would wake up, wake up today, that we would stop letting sin control us, that Jesus would define us, that he would take over our identity and that we would be forgiven today, that we would be sons and daughters of God. Holy Spirit, change us from the inside out. Do only what you can do. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you did. Father, thank you for your mercy and your great love. We are only here because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.